Well, hey, good morning, all shorts. It's great to be with you. Um, it is always a joy for me to, to be up here to, to preach to you all, but it is also uh, always uh, challenging. And, and the reason is because there is never a time when I am more personally convicted than when I am standing up here preaching the word of God to you all. So thank you for that opportunity and, and thank you for contributing to my, my faith journey as well. Uh, many of you might know I have a two and a half year old at home right now. And um, my wife is sitting right here and she's already cringing because she has no idea what I'm about to say. But um, I have a two and a half year old home right now. And um, he is just a, a bundle of, of joy. He's at this stage where he is uh, learning new things. Every day is something new, a, a new word, a new thought, a new idea. He's repeating everything that he hears, which is uh, really scary. Um, he's experimenting. And when I say experimenting, mostly what I mean is that he's testing his parents. Um, but it, he is just a, a fun joy uh, in our life right now. And he's been walking and talking for a while now. Um, and uh, ever since then, we've had a, a, a bedtime routine for him, okay? Uh, so his routine is really simple. He gets his teeth brushed, uh, he gets his pajamas on, and then he gets to watch three uh, songs, three nursery rhyme songs on Netflix, all right? And um, after the, the, the songs are over, uh, we turn the, the, the TV off and we say, okay, buddy, it's, it's time for bed. Uh, do you want mama or papa to take you to bed? And every single night, without fail, without hesitation, emphatically, he says, papa, right? And I gotta tell you, there's nothing that warms my heart more than that. He has been 100% a daddy's boy. And I know it breaks Ashley's heart and I don't wanna see Ashley's heart broken in that way, but man, I just gotta tell you, I love it when he says that. I love it when he says that. Recently, a shift has taken place. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, we're going through the, the, the routine and uh, you know, he gets his, gets his teeth brushed and gets his pajamas on and, and uh, he sits down to watch his songs. We watch the three songs and, and then Ashley pauses it and says, okay, buddy, it's time for bed. Who do you want to take you to bed tonight? Do you want mama or papa? Well, this night he hesitates, right? And then he says, mm, mama, right? And so you would have thought the gates of heaven busted open. Jesus was coming down on a white cloud. Ashley's dancing, literally dancing as she's walking hand in hand with Maddox to the bedroom. And she's just astounded. She's beside herself. And then all of a sudden he stops and he looks back at me with this conniving smile on his face. And he says, no, Papa. <laughs> but, but you know what? He is, he's becoming more and more of a mama's boy. And I think that's probably a good thing. Um, he's, he's wanting Ashley more and more. And um, he's just a, a fun bundle of joy. Challenging for sure, but it's, it's been a, a fun time. And he's been on this journey of discovery. And we are also right in the middle of a journey. We are in the, the middle of the journey of Lent. It's a journey to the cross. It's, it's a time for us to reflect internally on our own lives in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the purpose is not so that God can discover things about ourselves, right? It's, it's, it's so that we can discover things about ourselves. God already knows everything about us. And I, and I have to throw this disclaimer out there to you right away. Uh, and I have to tell you that, that uh, the journey to the cross is dangerous, okay? There was nothing safe about what Christ did for us on the cross. 
We often think of, of Easter as a, a glorious time of celebration and success. Christ conquered sin and death on the cross, and, and, and that is something to celebrate, uh, most certainly. But what led Jesus to the cross was our sin, it was our brokenness, it was our shame. So when we choose to enter the journey of Lent, we are quite literally laying ourselves before Jesus and asking him to shine a light on our souls. Not for the purpose of, aha, I, I got you, right? Like God's not trying to catch us up in our sin. He already paid the price for our sin. He already knows how messy we are. God knew us before we were born. He shaped us in the womb. He crafted a plan for our lives before we even existed. There is a blueprint for your life. And it is constantly being covered up by our own depravity. And God simply wants permission to uncover that blueprint for you. But just as the journey for Jesus to the cross was dangerous, so is the journey to the cross for us because it will compel us out of our comfort zones. It will force us to be vulnerable and it, and, and it will force us to look face to face at our own junk. Following Jesus isn't safe. It was never meant to be safe. Rewarding for sure, but not safe. For the next four weeks, we're gonna take a look at four dangerous prayers. We spend a lot of time praying not so dangerous prayers. God, uh, give me this. God, will you provide that? God, will you do this? Those are not dangerous prayers. They're not, they're not wrong prayers by any means. There's nothing wrong with, with asking God to provide. After all, he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. But they also won't move you deeper in your faith. They won't challenge you and they certainly won't make you and make your life look any more reflective of the life of Christ. And it's not until we start praying the prayer, God, will you reveal something in me more than we pray the prayer, God, will you do something for me that our lives start to take the shape of what God intended all along. And that is the whole point of the, of the, of the journey of Lent and the journey to the cross. We don't need God to become more like God in our lives as if that was even a thing. We need to become more like Christ. And when we become more like Christ, we become more aware of how God is already God in our lives. And that starts with a bold decision to pray dangerously. So the first prayer we're gonna look at is the prayer, search me. And this is David's prayer in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, David writes this Psalm as he is being crowned the King of Israel. And if you are familiar with this story, you might know that preceding David as King of Israel was King Saul. Yes, somebody said it. One person in here knows it, that's good. King Saul preceded King David and he refused to enter into this humble relationship with God. He refused to allow God to reveal the deepest, darkest depths of his soul. It wasn't that Saul didn't want a relationship with God. He just didn't want God to reveal his brokenness. 
He didn't want to have to deal with all the areas of his life where he fell short. And the more and more he tried to hide the messiness of his life with layer and layer of sin and fear and shame and guilt, the deeper and deeper the blueprint that God created for him inside of him was not realized, it was buried. He was okay praying not so dangerous prayers because it didn't challenge his status quo. But as a result, the masterpiece that God created inside of David was never realized. I'm sorry, inside of Saul was never realized. He becomes bitter, he becomes angry. He even attempts to take the life of David out of, out of fits of, of rage and fear and jealousy. David, on the other hand, as messed up as his life was and as many mistakes that he made and he made plenty of mistakes, the scripture is very clear about that. David himself is very clear about that. He continually asked God to search his heart, to reveal the brokenness inside of him because David wasn't just trusting God to get the things that he needed or the things that he wanted. You see, David was trusting God to transform his thought life, to change his affections, and to control his will and his desires. It's a whole nother level of understanding who God is. God loves to bless you. He loves to provide for you, but man, he is not satisfied with just being your provider. He wants your heart. David understood this. We even, we even call David the, the man after God's own heart. He understood this and he constantly opened up his heart to God. He constantly prayed for God to reveal his sin, but not just his sin, his anxieties, his fears, his, 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 his guilt and his shame. Because all of these things are, are results of the sin and, and the brokenness in our life, right? Like, like they're all, they all act as cover-ups for each other. And if we are, are not consistently asking God to uncover them, ultimately what happens is they create layer after layer after layer of junk. And some of us, most of us probably even have layers that we don't, aren't even aware of. But when our prayers start to shift from God, do something for me to God, reveal something in me, man, that opens up the door for God to do something great in our lives. I mean, think about this for a minute. The, the moment that David is being crowned king, probably the single greatest moment of human accomplishment in his life uh, uh, that he has or will ever face. And his prayer is, search me, O God, and know my heart. He's not asking God to discover something about himself. He knows that God already knows everything about him. He is asking God to reveal it to him. The Hebrew word for heart is labab or labab. And it is the center of one's being. It's an image for a person's thoughts, their intentions, their desires, and their will. He is asking God to reveal his sin, to reveal his fears, and to reveal the deepest, darkest areas of his life, not because he wants to be a great leader, right? It's not about David. He wants God's, God to shine through his leadership, right? It's not about David. David isn't worried about being known. 
He wants God to be known. Did you catch that? You catch the, the, the difference there? It's a direct contrast from the life of Saul. He is, is literally embracing his weaknesses. It's sort of a, a paradigm shift. It's not what we typically see out of the life of a king in the Old Testament. He's not saying that his weaknesses are a good thing. He's not flaunting them. He's simply acknowledging that he has weaknesses, that he has brokenness in his life. And until God reveals it, until God reveals all of it, until he begins to peel back the layers, the masterpiece that God created inside of David, his blueprint will at least be partially hidden. Now, here's what I think is the biggest hurdle we face. We all know that we live in a performance culture. Our society tells us to hide our weaknesses, to cover them up with our strengths. And this is what most of us do. But if we're so protective of our humanity that we can't even let people know where we are weak, how in the world are we ever gonna pray the prayer, God, would you reveal my sin? Has anyone ever been in, a, in an interview before? And um, the person interviewing you says, okay, tell me your strengths. And uh, you proceed to give a list of about 25 different things that you're good at, because we're all good at sharing our strengths, right? But then he says, okay, now tell me your weaknesses, and you freeze, right? You don't know what to say. And it's probably, probably not because you don't know your weaknesses. It's probably because you're not sure how to share your weaknesses and not make yourself look bad, right? If you're Michael Scott, any Office fans here? Uh, if you're Michael Scott, you might say, I care too much, I work too hard, and I'm way too invested in my job, right? Um, before I was a pastor, I worked for an agricultural fertilizer company. And uh, part of my role was interviewing and hiring people. I never uh, had the privilege of having to fire people, but I did get to hire people, get the best of both worlds there. I was interviewing this guy one time for a spring through fall seasonal position. So it was, it was uh, basically mainly a summer job, okay? And uh, I was really impressed with his resume. The interview was going really well. I mean, he was saying everything right. His, his resume, everything on paper looked great. And then he says, uh, I'm a big sports fan. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a big sports fan too. So, so, I mean, things are just going perfect and I'm ready to hire him on the spot. I'm ready for the, the interview to be over and um, to move on and everything's going great. And then he says, so one of my weaknesses is that I usually take most of the summers off because I'm a huge Cubs fan and I don't miss a game. Now, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I really struggled in that moment because everything was great. And I was in my head, I was trying to figure out how can I make this work? How can I make this work? But uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But who does that, right? Who says, here I am, take me or leave me, but I'm taking the summers off, right? Nobody does that. Because our society says, don't let people know where you are weak. Don't give people a clue into the negative aspects of who you are. As a matter of fact, why don't you just hide them yourself? It would be much better off if you didn't even know your own weaknesses, right? That's what our society, that's what our culture tells us. And I believe that fact about our culture might be the single greatest thing holding us back from praying this prayer. God, do something, not do something for me, but God, would you reveal something in me? If you are really struggling making this shift 
and, and, and pray in this prayer, can I just suggest something to you this morning? Start by asking God to help you to be honest about your weaknesses. God, I'm not ready for you to rip open my heart. I'm not ready for you to expose the deepest, darkest areas of my life, but I know I need to get there. Show me where I am weak. Help me to come to grips with that first and then don't leave me there. Move me, inspire me, compel me to invite you to search my heart. Second Corinthians 12, nine. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. What a beautiful picture of God responding to our vulnerability, right? Our God responding to our humility. So often we think we need to hide from our problems. Uh, we, we need to be certain kinds of people when we, we talk in, in church or when we walk into church. We need to pretend like we have it all together. But isn't that really the exact opposite of how we receive the blessing from God? I mean, it really isn't that uh, actually adding layers of crud in our heart and in our lives and covering up the masterpiece that God has created instead of allowing God to peel the layers back. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Church, we can't hide our way to a blessing from God. Oftentimes we think we've made it. We, we think uh, we know exactly what God's plan is for our lives. We might even think we're, we're living it out and man, it feels, it feels great. But you might only have a small glimpse into what God has created you for. There is so much more. And the only way to get to it is by constantly getting back on our knees and praying the prayer, God, search me, know my heart. Reveal the pride, expose the fears, show me the sin in my life that I didn't even know existed. And by your power, not mine, but your power, be made perfect in light of my weaknesses. We have to start asking God to reveal our hearts, not, not just asking him to provide for our needs. We have to trust that God's grace is sufficient for everything that he might expose inside of us. We have to believe just like Paul that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses, despite how ugly it might look on the inside. Towards the end of David's life, he wrote Psalm 19. And it's a prayer, but it's also a, a, a parallel between the beauty of the cosmos and our submission to the law of God. And as the prayer starts, David is proclaiming the glory of God and how, how evident it is through the universe. And the, and the best part about it to me is the fact that David has no idea how big the universe is, right? Like at this time, they were not even clued in to, to how astronomically huge our universe actually is. They actually thought it was quite small compared to what we now know as how big our universe actually is. It's, it was this macro level picture of the masterpiece of God. Let me read some of it to you. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. 
They use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And he continues on for a couple more verses, talking about the, the universe displaying the, the magnificence of God. But then in verse seven, he, he sort of makes this abrupt detour and he starts talking about the law and the, the commandments of God. And it's kind of an odd shift if you're not reading it poetically, if you're not really following it, it might sound weird to you. But he says, the decrees of the Lord are more desirable than gold. And they're like sweet honey dripping from the comb. It's a warning to your servant, but a great reward for those who obey him. And then he says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? In other words, God knows your heart. He knows everything about you already. And if you begin to pray, God search me. God, reveal my heart. It will be like a great reward when God not only reveals all of your brokenness, all of your shame, all of your fears, all of your guilt, but he begins to work through that with you. It will be like a great reward because you will also see the masterpiece that God has created inside of you. And it is just as beautifully and as extravagant as the cosmos, as the universe. I got to tell you, I'm a, um, an astronomy fan. I told the first service, I was so afraid that I was going to say astrology and Pete was going to fire me. Um, I'm an astronomy fan. And um, I uh, love to read articles uh, just about uh, the universe because I'm mainly because I'm just so in awe of how great and big and, and huge and masterful it is. Um, and, and how great and big and huge God's creation is. And so I'm reading articles uh, every time I get a chance. Um, and uh, a few weeks ago, I was reading an article on uh, these two probes that NASA sent out back in the late 70s. Some of you might be familiar with this, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. Anyone know what I'm, I'm talking about? A few of you, okay. Um, so NASA sent these probes off into space back in, uh, in 77, 78, something like that. And the, the point of, of these probes was to collect data, collect information, and send it back to NASA so that we can discover new things about uh, the universe. That was the point of it. They were supposed to last uh, about five years, and then they were gonna, they, NASA expected them to shut down and, and pretty much uh, die. Um, well, that was almost 43 years ago. They are still going today. They are still sending back information to NASA. It takes about 19 hours to, for anything to get back from them. But think about this for a minute. When NASA sent them off into space, almost 43 years ago, they were traveling and have been traveling for 43 years at an average of 38,000 miles per hour. That's pretty crazy, right? They just recently exited our solar system. They are in interstellar space and they are still sending back information about interstellar space. Information we've never even heard of before. New information, new information about our, our universe. Now think about this for a minute. It just left our solar system, right? They just left our solar system. Our solar system is a pin drop on the map of our massive, massive galaxy. And our galaxy is an even smaller pin drop on the map of our massive, massive universe that has hundreds of billions of galaxies. 
Wrap your mind around that concept for a minute, right? If that is not a macro level picture of the masterpiece of God, I don't know what is. But here's the point. We continue to discover new things about our universe every single day. We are constantly peeling back the layers and finding out that the universe is more complex, it's more massive, it's more spectacular than we ever thought it was in the first place. It's a beautiful macro level picture of the masterpiece of God that keeps getting bigger and better as time goes on. But the masterpiece that God has created inside of each one of you is just as glorious. It's just as elaborate and it's just as magnificent. The blueprint of your life is perfect. Just as God spoke a hundred billion galaxies into existence, so he has crafted an amazing, beautiful picture of his greatness inside of each and every one of us. But it's not until we allow him to peel back the layers of our heart, to, to begin to peel back the brokenness and the sin and the fear and the shame and the guilt and all the things that come with that, that have clouded up our lives that we can even begin to see it. And yes, it is risky. It is dangerous because once the layers have been peeled back, you have to do something about it, right? But I promise you this, God isn't going to leave you there, sitting there exposed. He's gonna keep walking the journey with you. He's gonna show you what that next step is. He's gonna, he's gonna work through it with you. And boy, is he gonna amaze you when you start to get a glimpse of his craftsmanship. But the journey starts with making this shift. God, I trust that you will provide for me, but man, I need you to reveal something in my heart. Move me closer to a more perfect picture of what you had in mind in the first place. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we trust you. We trust in your plan for our lives. We trust that you will provide for us. And we don't always know how to deal with our own junk. And it's certainly not natural for us to ask you to reveal it. But man, we know that's what we need. We know that our prayers need to shift. We know that, that what you have created inside of us is, is a glorious craftsmanship. So would you begin to search our hearts? Would you begin to peel back layer after layer for us so that we can get just a, a smaller, better glimpse of your perfect craftsmanship? We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.